river kingdoms are a constantly shifting group of city-states, kingdoms and fiefdoms, rising and falling through the machinations of would-be conquerors, wars, assassinations, games of politics, and dangerous monsters. South of Brevoy sits the Stolen Lands. Stolen from what and when are a matter of some debate. Currently overrun by bandits and monsters. Brevoy seeks to aid in the establishment of new kingdoms, buffer states, run by anyone strong enough and clever enough to carve a kingdom out of the savage wilderness. Caelan Thorne, the mercenary who would be king, believes he is that man. Herein lies his tale of wilderness exploration, monsters, politics, romantic entanglements, ancient gods, and war. Heavy indeed is the head that wears the crown. Sugarfueled Gamers, in association with RPGMP3.com, present Kingmaker, a Paizo Adventure Path. A word to our listeners. This game is often interrupted. Whenever this happens, you'll hear our editor's tone to let you know when a segment of recording has been removed until we resume gaming. Episode 120. When last we left our hero? Yep. You had penetrated Pythax's defences heroically in disguise? Yes. Um, That's the sensible way to do it. Because that was it, wasn't it? The previous one was the... Um, was the oh uh, the war swan. Yes. Then you have been to Pytax been poking around there. Yes. I went and saw um the not mayor of um Volta. Volta. Yeah. And um agreed that um Stagform will keep their stinky fingers off it. Yep. And um in exchange that was pretty much what we were getting. <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, it's not a very um it's not a very big ask, so yeah. Stag thought or um as far insofar as possible continuing our run but not invite in people in who don't want to be invited. With the obvious exception of Fort Drayley, but you know. Well uh, many people of Fort Drayley have wanted to be invited. Yeah. Of note, like Kaylin has had the you Stagthorn has actually had no serious problems thus far integrating the centaurs and the Barnholdians. There've been, you know, several equivalent of bar fights and that sort of thing, but no yeah. no major incidents. Um, Fort Drelev, on the other hand, there's been significantly less out of. Yeah. Because actually once you remove all the horribly corrupt nobility that was sitting on the top, um, the vast majority of people are quite happy to um Embrace a king that isn't a traitorous, cowardly um, whoremonger, frankly. Yeah, yeah. Well, particularly, um, Drelev certainly went, went out of his way to make it clear that um, his ruling, the way he was ruling his kingdom was everyone's problem by making um, their lives extremely difficult. I imagine that a few of the nobles, a few of the nobles at the top, have just chosen to. Um, uh, wave their hands and depart when it becomes clear they won't be able to uh, scoop from the top. To quite the same extent. To quite the same extent under Kaelin, and yeah. Kaelin more or less just lets them go because you've got no real interest in keeping them. Yeah. But by and large, the citizenry of Fort Drelev are actually pretty happy, particularly given towards the end, Drelev was just massively 
uh, catastrophically oppressing them in a completely unsustainable way. And there was the fact that um, I got in via a general revolt of the citizenry. Well, yes. <laughs> it does help if they open their doors, to, if they open their gates to the conqueror. Yeah, yeah, that, you're right. That sent a pretty clear message. But Pytax has no interest in opening the gates to you. No. And in fact, to get into the palace of Pytax, Pytaxia, you have had to sneak in disguised as clockwork golems, which you have done so. Oh, yes, that's right. We got so far as our secret plan to sneak in. Yeah. You and Michaela are basically just walking through the doors of the palace at this point. We have yeah. made the rolls to assess that you got in. Yeah. That was where we left it. Cool. So we are poking around. Yep. And I have some information for you that you already possess, but is clarified somewhat in this piece of documentation. Cool. Uh, so this is your timeline of what's happened, what happened when in Pytax. Oh, lovely. Which I will um, read in the record, if that's fine with yep, you. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so... Uh, do you want me to read this forwards or backwards chronologically? I think start from the beginning time-wise and go cool. forwards. So sometime, several of these are kind of ish times yeah. from what you know. Um, sometime around 4634, uh, which is now 80, 88 odd years ago, uh, Castruccio Irovetti was born. Like, you can't find the precise date, but more or less sometime around there. Uh, he was born as the prince and heir to Pytax, which at the time was a <coughs> kingdom yeah. um, that was pretty small, fortified, and had heavy problems with wyverns. Yeah. Um, you know, Those it, pesky wyverns. It was, at least as leg- it, it was at least as legitimate a kingdom as Varnhold was. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm mostly just entertained that that's where... Um... Erebeti went when he needed to cover for the Iron Reds as those pesky wyverns. Around, well, the wyverns have remained a problem. They have just not remained a crippling problem. Yeah. Around 4652, there's about a 10-year period where Erebeti becomes a man. Yeah. Um, and starts exploring around the Pytaxian lands, hex-crawling in the same way you have. At yeah. some point in here, he joins up with Cassiopeia, who is an elven woman, and Calafraxis, who is a gnome druid. Yeah. Um, they form a badass adventure party. They, they party. basically do indeed form a badass adventure party. Yeah, as traditional at these points. Uh, I got my date wrong when I gave this to you before by a period of 10 years, but such is life. Yeah. Um, in 4658, rather than 68, um, Erevidi finds the clockwork cave of Felonius. Uh, he destroys the clockwork lizard man that Felonius has become. Yeah. Presumably at some point over this period learns his clockwork secrets, melts them down, and leaves the note that you have found um, saying something to the effect of Mumblefish. That he found Felonius and destroyed him because the real Felonius wouldn't want to live on like that. Uh, yeah, but it's quite good, so I want to yeah, find it and read it again. You can have the actual wording. This place should be destroyed, yet I cannot bring myself to do it. The rituals and science Falan has created, the last works, perhaps, of the lost Atlantean Empire, are fantastic. The last works, perhaps, the lost Aslantian Empire, are fantastic, but such power in the wrong hands could be dangerous. I've settled down for mol- melting. Uh, I've settled for melting down the bulk of his works, leaving enough guardians to dissuade anyone from approaching. Those ideas may help my father fight off the wyvern menace. Off the wyvern menace, Jared. 
get a pen and correct that later. Um, in the end, his clockwork secrets are too dangerous to be unleashed upon the world at large. I have great respect for this forgotten castaway, and I could see how some of his work could be adapted, improved upon. But I wish to see this great lizard man's legacy not marred by what were, in the end, the rantings of a man consumed by loneliness. The clockwork thing he had become had no heart, only a purpose it stubbornly kept to. What Philan had made himself into was better destroyed. Uh, and at that point, Irovetti is um, oh, about 25 or so. Uh, spends about 10 years-ish doing this. 4663, he become, his father dies, he officially becomes the king of Pytax. Um, 4661 to around 4674. Uh, at some point in here, he marries Cassiopeia, uh, has a child, and Pytax begins rapidly expanding, successfully repelling the Wyvern menace. And pro- presumably around this point starts using clockwork technology in some regard. Yeah. Um, 4674. Uh, First and Bryn and presumably Cassiopeia are attacked in the woods somewhere by yeah. invisible enemies. First is heavily damaged. Bryn, who at this point is guessing eight-ish, which is about the equivalent of a five-year-old for a half-elf, she yeah. is lost in the woods. Yeah. Um, she runs away. Then comes the what was what was probably a couple of very interesting years in his life. Uh, 4675... Uh, sorry, um, yeah, forty six seventy five, forty six seventy six. Um, in no particularly known order because you don't know how these things rolled out. Cassiopeia and the kid are never seen again. Yeah. Um, Califraxis parts ways with Erevetti after some sort of quarrel. Yeah. Um, he dismisses Hillstomper pretty shortly after that. Yeah. Uh, Hillstomper knows they've fought, but not so much what about. Yeah. Um. Erevetti largely ceases making public appearances altogether. He presumably goes back to the Clockwork Cave, or possibly doesn't need to bother. Yeah. Um, but at the, at some point in here, he becomes the Clockwork King. Yeah. Presumably, like Felonius, he cuts his heart out to do it. Yeah. But the question is, did he do that before Cassiopeia and Bryn ran away, and that's why they did? Or did he do that as a reaction to them running away? That's a fine question. Yeah. And you don't have an answer to that. All of all of these interesting things sort of take place around, around the same the period, side. and the order the order would clarify matters hugely for you, but you don't know. You don't know, know it, yeah. Um, and the expansion of Pytax ceases. Yeah. Um, uh, 4682, Bryn is now 16-ish. Uh, she is discovered in the woods by Father Bravia, who yep. takes her in, educates her, civilizes her to the what extent he managed. Yes. Um, well, you know, he taught her to talk. Boys a plus. Uh, 4712, um, about 20-odd years after that, Father Bravia is murdered by the Stag Lord. Bryn finds a half-orc in the woods named Kaelin, investigating his, Father Bravia's hut in a suspicious bandit-like fashion. Yes. Uh, then, ten years later, we are in present day. Bryn is in her mid-forties, the Clockwork King is about 88 at this point. Yeah. Shows no... Compelling signs of this. Yeah, yeah, but um, if you're going to do an evil clockwork ritual and cut your heart out, you ought to at least get immortality out of the deal. It's, it's true. It's, it's what we do. Uh, I can see I've already made several horrible errors typing that up, but hopefully it clarifies things somewhat yeah, for you. Absolutely. 
So can I, um, now that you've read it into the record, can I look at the timeline? Yeah. Uh, I'm just correcting a couple of horrible errors on there. Just thought that might clarify things slightly for you. Yeah. Some of those times are pretty approximate because they're based off what Kaylin knows, but at this point you're pretty damn confident that Bryn is the daughter of Castruccio or of any of the oh, timeline yes. works for it. it. It makes sense of his motivations and things. <laughs> Alright, and what we're here to do is try and fill in the missing pieces and see if there's any way to save Rivetti, or if, like he said, for Felonius it is too late for that. Mm-hmm. <coughs> is that what you're here for? I thought you'd come to rescue Keston Garrus. Well, um, also we try to rescue um, Keston Garris and... Um, uh, Simon Rusk, I believe his name is. Yep, Simon Rusk. It sort of depends on what we find, what we're here to do. Yes, yes, very much so. I think at this point what you are doing is gathering information. Yeah, but Kalen wants to make one more try. Um, obviously he's kind of committed himself to the destruction of Pytax at this point, but... You know, that logically ends with killing Uravetti, but he wants to try and find out more because he doesn't feel like he's really exhausted all possible alternatives. Yep. Oh, and um, at some point in his adventuring, presumably, Uravetti, find- Uravetti, still a human man, finds Blight. Yes. Defeats whatever Oberon's challenge is. Yep, so that's... Um, and it, takes Blight, presumably from within Pytaxian lands, because that's sort of the area he was exploring. Yeah, so quite possibly at some point in his adventuring days. Very much so, in yeah. his adventuring days. Well, I mean, I didn't see um, Cassiopeia and Califraxis, but it's possible he did that mission solo. Very possible, in fact. Just because you have an adventuring party doesn't mean you always adventure together. You know, I mean, some people are more like your traditional D&D party and some people are more casual associates. Or, you know, that they were outside doing a different fight scene while he was doing that. <laughs> yes, very true. Because you only really, you didn't get like a, um, a full in-depth exploration. What you got was a picture of Eravidi hacking down some sort of plant monsters. Yeah. Alright, so the Palace of Pytaxia is basically this massive thing that is a single-story palace, so it fills yeah. huge tracts of land. But Pytax certainly doesn't seem to be struggling the land. Yeah, yeah, it just seems like a wasteful way of doing things, but uh, also not as defensible as a proper castle. But it is a palace, so, you know, he's yeah. got one on me there. And the House of a Hundred Doors. And you move to... You you move basically past all the guards inside, um, move to the main door, walk in. Yeah. And immediately what you can see is the first thing you are in when you come in is this huge receiving room, basically. Stagthorn, Castle Stagthorn, has several things like this, just kind of on a smaller scale. It's basically a a main receiving room designed for people to come trampling into. It's got a string of elaborate tapestries and beautiful things, you know, the large, the, um, lacking in the large traditional staircase going to the second floor, because it's a single-story palace. But there's at least eight doors coming out of here in all yeah. directions. And once you are past the initial pack of guards at the door, the clockwork men you've gone past, there's nothing in here. 
um, in terms of people, hearts, that sort of thing. There are exactly what you would expect to see. Objects, you know, fancy candelabras, tapestries, tables, chairs, etc., etc. Yeah. But no people, and no sign of real disuse. The place is almost spotlessly clean. And... Well... This is nice. Can we have one? Uh, one more build up the treasury enough, I suppose. I know now we've, we've got a couple of castles everyone's after me to have a palace, but I never really saw myself living in a castle, so a castle seems like a lot to me. In any case, any thoughts on our direction? She shrugs. At this point, your guess is as good as mine. Probably better, given your knowledge, your at least somewhat knowledge of how such things are built. Alright, can I have an architecture and engineering You role? certainly can. That was poor. Fortunately, I do actually have quite a few points in this. Um, I got an 18. Cool. So I could give you a massively elaborate map for this. Yeah. Um, or I could just kind of vaguely sketch it on a board, or I could just describe it to you, whatever you would prefer. You are vaguely anticipating that most of the palace is going to be like this, largely empty. Yeah, I think um, rather than having a huge amount of detailed mapping of empty rooms... We probably want to focus in if we're actually heading in the direction that we're intending to go, or else, you know, if you're like, all right, at this point people are going to start smelling a rat, even though you haven't found anything, you you kind of have to go. Sure. So, what are you looking for as your as as your target here? Um, or, there are, are several things. Um, there are several things that I'm looking for. I'm looking for. Uh, dungeons, secure rooms, places where noble prisoners would be kept. Yeah. Because I think this is the logical place for Aveti to keep them. Can I have the um, initiative tracker and board from in there? I'll just do some scribbling. Sure. I'm looking for essentially where the kid and Kirsten Garris might be. Yep. But I'm also looking for Aveti um, you know, I'm thinking he probably doesn't do a lot. You know, like he probably doesn't work out. Yep. He, he probably doesn't eat and sleep. Yep. But he does do kingdom business. Yep. And he probably has private papers. I'm kind of looking for, like, a, a study. Yeah, yeah. His private study or yeah. possibly his library. Yeah. Um, something I can rifle through his private paperwork and try and get some backstory hints. Makes sense. And um, somewhere they're keeping the prisoners. Because my theory is they probably have, like some golems whose job it is to guard the prisoners, and a golem whose job it is to bring food to the prisoners. Yeah. And, you know, Iravidi's probably done at that point. You know, yeah. he doesn't he doesn't need to personally supervise this kind of thing, because why else do you have a million clockwork dudes? And broadly, the palace is kind of this large oval and main gates. And, and we bridge, are here. Bridge and moat here, kind yeah. of thing. You are here. Yeah. Okay, so... So given that you've built this weird all-on-one-level thing, yep. where do I think? It's very, it's very pretty. Yeah. Um, so your wager would be that you are probably not going to find these things um, 
any of the things you are looking for on the outer edges of the palace, based on your knowledge of engineering, there's no point in giving your prisoners a window to escape from. Mm. Uh, for yourself, your throne room is internal mm. in the palace, as it, basically it largely as a security measure, mm. so people have to fight their way through multiple rows of guards. Mm. Less of a concern here, but this palace is not functioning as des- as it was designed to do. Yeah. Um, and likewise, if he's got important secret papers, they are very probable. They are very possibly not secured by the throne room, but they serve the same sort of purpose. Yeah. Um. So, you can effectively knock off going around the outer windows and that sort of thing. You would guess what you'll find there are bits that open out into maybe courtyards or stables or things like that. Um, whether or not anyone here still uses horses, you'd guess for a certainty this palace has stables of some kind that yeah. would be completely misused. And, and, you know, um, he still has a very small amount of humanish minions. And for that matter, you know, it's not like... You, you have to do quite a lot of work to reduce a palace. You know, people... Probably all these spare rooms and things are still here. Yeah. Alright, so... Okay. Yeah, and, and insofar as you've seen from sort of surveilling it a bit from the outside... The palace is still largely intact. Most of these rooms probably no longer serve a purpose, but the rooms themselves are still there. And honestly, looking at the, looking at this reception room, it's very possible you can still find a whole bunch of guest bedrooms that have beds and all that sort of thing set up, even if no one's in them and using them. Yeah. I mean, what are, what's it cost him to keep the place tidy, you know, in column labour? Yeah, well, I mean, presumably he's, if there's no, either there are human servants living in here and never going out, which doesn't seem likely, or there's golems doing it. Yeah, it, it, it does seem like his, his philosophy has been dispensed with the humans where possible. So yeah, heading, heading into the central area. Cool. So, First of all, can you and Michaela give me a search check in this big main reception room? Okay, um, I will assist Michaela. My search is not exactly the brand. And I add her, give her a plus two. Alright, so she moves to the door, looks at it, checks it over, and nods. Well, so around this direction, you think? Hmm. Well... They should have seen this. This this was the likeliest outcome. So sort of checks the door, checks the door, checks the door. All of these doors are locked and trapped. We can compar- comparatively simple things, alarms rather than spitting acid. We can open them the hard way. She says, sort of looking at your adamantine greatsword. Mm. If we would, if we were real golems, we would doubtlessly have keys to open them, which would which would also likely disarm the traps. As it is, however, I can't help but one. Hmm. She says, and eyes up one of the tapestries and goes over and sort of runs her hands behind it. If there's a quicker way designed for people in the know to make a quick entrance and exit, and Back, one of the tapestries is sort of set up around a pillar, and back behind a place that's largely hidden from view, you could sort of slip in and out of here relatively easily. A secret door opens that is neither locked nor trapped. Excellent. We go through the secret door, which carries you around a little tunnel, basically inside the internal walls, 
it's good. it's very easy to open from the inside, and that brings you out into a corridor where you think you are now on the other side of one of the doors, vaguely in the direction you were intending to head into. Cool. Um, so, uh, well, I suppose it's likely he designed several of these secret passages around the place. We'll just have to keep an eye out for them. There's no denying it'd be helpful if either one of us were any good at locks and locks and traps and such. On the other hand, how much good would that have done us if we couldn't get past the guards in the first place? It's uh, it's pretty impressive that um, you can get me into a place like this. Uh, I'm not faulting it. Yeah, unfortunately, um, you really do not have a trap breaker in your party. No, but it's quite true that my disguise specialist has done me relatively well the, so far. Michaela has actually really ramped up the amount of search she's had Yeah, um, from her various... Uh, what wasn't her d- different life experiences. Yeah. Tristan is the only guy who can open locks in your party. Yeah. And even he's not very good at it. And um, he has enough search that... Um, yes, he would find the secret doors. He yeah. would find all the secret doors. Well, also, he can find potentially find traps, even if he can't disarm them very well. Uh, no, he can't if they're sufficiently complex. Ah, uh, yes. Because he doesn't have any rogue levels. Ah, uh, yes, Michaela, on the other hand, does. Ah, uh, yes, yes, of course she does. But so she, spends she, can find, she can find traps but not disarm them because she's not that sort of rogue. Yeah. And she's not super amazing at finding them. She's actually gotten more so as the campaign's gone on. I believe she started with little to no ranks in Surge. Yeah. Surge is one of those things that's very hard to avoid if it's a class skill because it is so freaking useful. Yeah, on the other hand, it hasn't mattered all that much because you've been doing a lot of wildernessy stuff. Yeah, yeah, well, this is a very non-dungeon campaign. Caitlin just, just does not spend very much time dungeon bashing as compared to your average adventurer. Okay. And when he does, it's quite often weird things like this, which isn't exactly a dungeon. So, you are heading down several of these corridors, and basically, in the absence of any better direction, your your knowledge engineering check is high enough to uh, exclude a bunch of rooms without you bothering to check them. Like, yeah. you're moving down a hall looking at basic door, basic door, basic door, basic door, and going... Cool, these are guest quarters, bigger door, that's a barracks. Like, you can go poking into them if you want to, but you don't need to. Yeah. Um, and it w- at that point it becomes your decision of do you want the extra information versus the extra risk that there's someone in there. Yeah, no, we want to... Unless we think it's a... Um, a possibility. We only want the things that we're coming for. And the palace looks like it is designed for living in, you know, going down the, and it's designed for still living in, rather. Yeah. Going down the halls, you've got sort of your plinth, that's that's the little table, and it's got a lovely vase on it, uh, and there are flowers in it yeah. that are alive and watered and well cared for and things. Yeah. And indeed, at some point a couple of minutes into this, uh, you will hear noises coming down one of these corridors towards you, making no effort to move quietly whatsoever. Uh, and Michaela will effectively ask you, what's your plan? If there's other things or clockwork people walking around here, are we just relying on disguises? Are we and, trying to hide from them? And, she, and Caelan will say, yeah. let's use the disguises. That's what they're there for. We're two golems walking down a corridor. This thing sees golems every day. Cool. So... Something comes moving down towards you, um, and 
It looks like a clockwork unit of some kind. It's comparatively short and squat, about the height of a very, of a reasonably short dwarf with short little legs. Not really person-shaped at all. Most of the, the watchmen you have seen more or less look like human beings, at yeah. least in the sense of head, big face, arms, legs. This is more of a squat, vaguely R2-D2-style thing. And as it is moving down the corridor, it has about six different clockwork arms coming out of it that don't really look like people arms. They look like sort of tenderly claw extensions. And one of them has a duster built into it. (laughs) And that is what it is presently using. It's got a couple of claws with fine manipulators built into it that look like they're capable of pressure and and little cuts like a pair of scissors. And it bustles down the corridor and is literally dusting the walls as it goes. And it not only doesn't challenge you, it completely ignores you. Yeah. It's obviously aware of your presence. It's got sensors in it of some kind to register there are two shapes sitting here. Yeah. But it will dust up to you. And then you are very vaguely in its way. It just stops and goes and moves back against the wall. And Michaela will give you a slightly sideways nudge and clunk, 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 march past it. At which point it goes out from the wall and just continues on. Yeah. Uh, And you may give me a knowledge engineering check here. Uh, Also, I have to say, Juro's cleaning droid is happy to clean. Juro's cleaning droid is happy to clean. Mm -hmm. Well, this one, the the engineering droid one, I roll over twice my um, previous roll. Um, 33. Okay, so... See, that would have been useful when I was considering the palace layer. Looking at this thing... You do not think it is actually capable of challenging you uh, on several levels, actually. Yeah. It doesn't appear to have any weapons, any real meaningful armor. You know, yeah. Caleb wants to destroy it. You just, oh, I just go, yeah, cool. Yeah. You kill it. You yeah. obliterate it. There's no challenge here. It's a yeah. CR nothing. Uh, technically, it could clip you with its tiny manacles. Yeah, yeah. But, um. It could give Caleb a nasty pinch and no mistake. It could give Caleb a nasty pinch. They're, they're effectively like the CR one quarter cleaning droid. Yeah. So go nuts if you want some very low rent XP. No, that's all good at my uh, level. I don't think it would make a discernible difference. But you don't think it's capable of interacting with you? It perceives that you are there, but it's not capable of assessing your disguise or speaking to you, or challenging you for a password or anything in that neighbourhood. It's quite a lot less bright than the um, regular... Shockingly so. Yeah. You know, for a robot in in our real world, it's shockingly advanced, because it can clearly do things like put flowers in and dust and clean and arrange things. Um, And suspecting that this will work, you just sort of gently nudge one of the vases and it sort of falls over. And the thing goes, just kind of rolls around, you know, picks it back up, puts the flowers back in, cleans up the water, and continues on without correcting you or anything of the sort. Yeah. This thing is um, capable of interacting people on a level of avoid, not dusting them. It deliberately deliberately stays out of people's way. It's not to interfere with any business that is happening. Yeah. Uh, The other things you notice about it is it puts the vase back in exactly the same place you knocked it from to the millimeter. Yeah. Like it has just been given a string of pre-programmed instructions and the only deviance it can really accept is don't poke the objects that are walking down the hall. Yeah. Um, Secondly, the flowers in it are cut meticulously. They're all cut to X height 
Um, and there is one of the one one sort of yellow one, one pink one, one red one in there. But it just it looks really sterile. For one thing, that particular flower is missing a couple of petals, and there are doubtlessly nicer examples of it that could be found. The thing hasn't done it. It's everything in here is cleaned perfectly and precisely and totally coldly and inhumanly. Yeah. And it just creates a really weird impression for the whole palace. It's it's very nice on several levels, but... It's like um, one of those palaces in Skyrim combined with one of those um, Dwemer ruins in Skyrim. <laughs> and and you're pretty confident, like, if you just wrecked this place and put a bunch of sword, sword gashes in the walls and tipped vases all over the floor and cut the table in half... What would probably happen is a day later it would all be undone. It would go, it would go and find another table from the storerooms of exactly the same size, yeah. diameter, etc., etc. Put it in, put a vase in, get the same flowers from wherever it's getting them from. Yeah. And yeah, as as you move through the palace, you will find several of these things, and every time they just ignore you. Yeah. And now you have solved the secret of Erebeth's cleaning. Yeah. Which, you know, I thought I thought it was golems, and it's golems. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how, um... I don't, I don't know how Caleb would feel about this. Michaela says, I can see the efficiency, but... They make me vaguely uncomfortable. I like the, I like the cleaners that we can at least give a smile and a vague gesture to. I can't, I don't, I've no knowing of how you're supposed to do things like that, um, just, just vaguely at the flowers. But I know that's not how, um, that's not how a person would do it. No, it's precise and perfect and completely and utterly wrong. I don't know that, um, it's just, I don't think, I don't think these golems are a good thing taken all in all. I mean, it's one thing to have one like first, but... From what Tristram says, nobody else who's made golems has gone out of their way to um, make him intelligent. It's sad, really. Erevetti, when he was a living man, did something really no one else had ever done. He made a golem that could think like a person. But now that he's lost, he doesn't care about that stuff anymore, and he's just made these things. It's just... I don't know, it, it seems a waste of this lovely place. I suppose he no longer sees the point. If anything, it's a weakness, thinking and feeling from a certain point of view. Well, it depends on what you're trying to do. I mean, for example, if you're trying to not get all your neighbouring kingdoms so pissed off they'll lie against you, caring about people's feelings isn't actually such a bad idea. And thinking of pointless, what is the point of this? She gestures towards the flowers in the vase. Who is here to, who's here to enjoy them? purpose do they serve? It's a facade of normalcy. If he wanted people to know he was a clockwork thing, all he had to do was take off the armour. He doesn't want people to know. Probably because he suspects that they wouldn't be very happy if they did know. Mm. That's my best guess, but I've never been able to figure out why he does the things he does. That's why we're here, isn't it? We can all but guess. (laughs) Oh well. Let us see what we can find. Alright, and you move on. And 
you remain just by and large completely unchallenged in here. There yeah. are no roving. There don't appear to be anything like roving guard patrols. Um, in the end, I imagine you sort of crack one or two doors and peek in, and you do indeed find empty guest rooms and barracks and things, which are, in fact, what you probably do is see one of the cleaning units go by. It opens the door and goes in, and you get a look at. There's a barracks room in there. Yeah. Um, clearly designed to hold a bunch of people. Um, who are absolutely not in any way in pre- present. There's it, no clothes, no gear, no stuff. I mean, it's not as creepy as going around Varnhold that first time with Tristram and not finding anybody, but it's a bit, it's a bit yeah. on the creepy side. Yeah, it, the, the palace feels used because there's noise and stuff within it, but it's just, it's not right. Yeah. And, you know, someone, fr- from Kalen's worldview, it's not like our 20th century thing where we've all kind of accepted the concept that robots have a a place in the world. You know, from their perspective, they're kind of unnatural abominations and that's all there is to it. Okay. And... So... This place is um, doubtless cleaner than um, Kalen's castle because, you know, that's full of people playing and living and working and fighting and doing stuff, too. Yes. And um, while it's obviously kept clean, I doubt anybody bothers keeping it meticulously clean. It's a working castle. But, you know, is the point of a castle to be clean or is it to be a working castle? Okay, so which of those is your priority? Uh... My greatest priority is the library. I really do want to know what's going on around here. Cool. One moment. Of course, this is full of a million rooms that serve no real purpose. Yep. Each with its um, three, um, three monsters. No, actually. It's just... I, I don't know. There, there are probably over a hundred rooms in this palace in this gigantic, complicated map. Yeah. And most of them have nothing in it whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess the theory is if the palace would have these rooms, they have to draw them. Yeah, I guess. It struck me that might have been better to not map it. But mm-hmm. um, such is life. Uh, so... Uh, I just need to put two things to find. Okay, so you find a room um, with one of the first things you have seen that is not just, you know, unused furniture. Yeah. Um, and there are guards on it, clockwork men. And Michaela and you will basically just see them and sort of turn and walk past them. Yeah. And they notice you but fail to react to you in any fashion. Yeah. And you're looking at, like, the outer door of the room, looking at the dimensions of it, where it's placed, that sort of thing. Go, right, that in there is not what you would guess is the Grand Palace Library, which would be significantly larger, but is basically a private library or a private study or something like that. It's still the size of this house that we're in, but... And there are 
clockwork guards on the door. Yeah. Which you may uh, challenge however you please. You can just walk up to them and interface with them. You can walk right past them. You can walk up and smash them in the head with a hammer. Yeah. So before I engage with this, yes, we're not car- we're not um, how um, I think you said we could. I could have my plate on under the clockwork disguise. Yes. Um, so presumably I could also have a hidden weapon. Yes. And you've both got bags of holding and haversacks and that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, for that matter, several of the clockwork units you've seen are ca- actively carrying backpacks and bags and things like that because they are simply not designed to have excess storage capacity. Their internals are presumably full of the clockwork bits that make them go. Sweet. Alright. So there's, there's nothing particularly unusual about the sight of a clockwork guard walking around with a backpack on. So, um, We'll skulk down a corridor or two so we can have a quiet uh, word. Alright, well, I want in there. Yeah. So, I guess the question is, it, do, the, do the robots go in there? If, do, the, do the golems go in there? Because if so, we could just walk right up to the door. But what we can't do is um, con them with our tricky ex- um, explanation about how it's a surprise inspection and all. No, I, I rather think not. We could simply step through and rely on being unchallenged, but I think we should count on the, poss- the possibility that we are going to be challenged sooner or later. Someone is going to request a password, something we don't have, and it's going to end up coming to violence at that. We're, neither of us are well equipped to just slip past them. We could try and find another secret door in. There may well be one. They may not, too. Uh, she shakes her head, basically. And when the balloon goes up and violence starts, we're going to have to be very swift about it. And I'm going to be of limited use here. If I can strike them quick, if I can strike them quickly enough, I'm no, no scientist or engineer, but I've seen enough of the gears and workings to work out where to hit to bring them down rapidly. Because she has a Precise Hunter, where she gets sneak attack damage versus constructs, Sweet. plants, and elementals, but none of her negative energy channeling tricks are going to work on them. Uh, um, Kaelin draws his adamantine greatsword. It's a, go- it's a golem bane weapon. Seemed like it had come in handy. If it does come to violence, I think it's likely I can take him down relatively really quick, particularly with your help. Yeah. But whether it's quick enough to stop them sounding any kind of alarm depends very much on whether their priority is to defeat us or sound an alarm. Mm. On the other hand, we've come here for this. I, in the event that we we could go um, try for the um, try for the kid and Keston instead, but there's going to be golems on their doors as well. He can't possibly have just, for that matter, if he had left them. Um, with no guards of any kind, I think both of them would have escaped by now. If I were a wagering woman, uh, most certainly not, I would guess that they will put raising an alarm ahead of their own lives. Aye. Taking us out as secondary to to containing the threat. So we need... The question is, can they do it by triggering some kind of spell or um, effect, or do they have to go verbally leave and call, call out to their fellows? Shouts for help wouldn't get all that far there, although I suppose the cleaning units could be capable of relaying it. 
We just don't know enough about them. They could have internal sending mechanisms. That's my fear. Um, on the other hand, there is a reason I um, bought you that word of recall. We're going to have to chance it sooner or later. I'm frankly pretty impressed we've got this far without I- anyone um, making it a fuss. I mean, in, we only pulled off this trick with Bryn because um, n- nobody sees her coming. The, um, it's a heck of a long way to get inside somebody's palace. If he had real guards, we'd never have made it this far. So you know that First um, does not have any sort of complex magical sending mechanisms yeah. or alarms or radio equivalents in him. If he wants someone's attention, he literally needs to shout for it in a yeah. place. On the other hand, Erevidi makes them for specific purposes. The stealth units are invisible. These guard units may well have alarms, etc., etc. Well, the other thing that's occurred to me is that the um, door could be trapped, in yes, which case all the golem has to do is open the door, because the golem presumably knows how to deactivate the trap and go inside the library, which means it knows how... No- if it deact- if it's bright enough to fight, then it's bright enough to know if it deactivates... potentially bright enough to know if it de- opens the door without deactivating yes. the trap. I think uh, what we should do is walk right up to them and see what they do. If what they do is challenge us, then we'll be standing next to them. I, I think that's as good as it's going to get. I w- We could look for a secret door, but I wouldn't put one into any room he's put guards on because it's stupid. The, it, it obviates the very point of having a secret door. I mean, he can open these doors, or, or as himself, because he has the key. And any secret door is just open, providing an avenue for other people to get into his place. Alright. So, you march up to them, and one of the guard units will turn, look at you, um, as you approach. Just lets you sort of walk up, in, effectively into melee range with them. Sweet. Um, and then sit. I am workshop guard. This unit is workshop guard unit second. Excuse me. This unit is workshop guard unit two. Identify. And Michaela, sort of having vaguely established this with you before, said, "These unit, these units are these units are workshop inspectors three and four. We desire entrance." And. It looks at you for a moment, and uh, Michaela gets a quick sense motive check, as do you. Cool. I'll make my own, because we don't necessarily have the option to share and tell each other. I got a 16. Okay, so... That's not suffering any kind of penalty, so if I'm suffering any kind of penalty, you can have, cool. have that on. Uh she actually won't say that, having made that sense motive check. Yeah. Um, she nods as it says this. Um, it says, you know, we are workshop inspectors unit three and four. And then looks at the thing for a vague moment and just flashes you this little sign um, that says she's not getting the reaction she is expecting for it to try and look her up and down and process the disguise, etc. It's just jumping straight to uh, units should not be here, units do not enter this room. Yeah. Um, 
it's not actually going to attack her. She's just on the wrong track with her process. Yeah. Uh, basically, there is no legitimate reason you need to get in here. And one of the downsides of the Clockwork Guards is you can't lie to them and run a bluff and go, my sick aunt is dying in there or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I figured the um, the negotiating tactic was primarily to get us into melee range yeah, and yeah. on the off chance that these guys were very poorly and, programmed. And effectively, what she's flashing you is the symbol that says, you know, attack imminent if we keep pushing this. Yeah. Um, basically, as soon as you say that you're authorized to be in that room, instead of arguing with you and going, you are not, that is incorrect, it's going to go fatal error and stab you. Okay, at which point, Kaylin's going to do... Yeah, Kaylin continues talking to it. You know. It is necessary and within our instructions to blah, 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 talk, talk, blah, 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 Kaylin stabs it in the face, blah, 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 blah. Yep. And we endeavour to run a bluff, essentially. Yes, indeed. I fail to assist Michaela in bluffing. Yep. Uh, As she starts talking to it, you see the unit is clearly um, human enough to interface with you. It sort of makes vague gestures like nodding as it speaks to you. And then as she continues talking, it makes some sort of assessment. There's a click noise and it starts reaching for its sword. Cool. It actually beats you. Beats her on a sense motive check. Cool. It recognises hostile intent and we go to initiative. Yep. Because this is one of those initiatives going to be really important fights. Which is why it's a shame that Kaelin is so god-awfully poor at it. Yep, and he continues his trend of also rolling badly. Yep. On the plus side, um, they may be smart, but boy are they slow. Yep. <laughs> That's definitely a plus side. Alright. Got Kaelin and Michaela here, we'll just take the war spawn off. Alrighty. Guards. Oh, only three. That's the spirit boys. Kaelin gets a mighty seven and beats them. And Michaela is on a seventeen. Yeah. Embarrassingly overpowered for this particular fight is very slow people. Yeah. So they also have no bluff whatsoever, so you very rapidly rise the jig is up as it yeah. start openly clicks and goes for its sword. Yeah. And Michaela will have to pull her sword out, at which point that is, um... I thought she had quick draw. Uh, yes, yes. Ah, yeah. But she's not walking around with her sword in Oh, hand. right, yes, that makes sense. Uh, the units do actually have swords with them, I mean, yeah. not necessarily of the model that she's using, but, um, given what you were doing, I presume you're not walking around weapons in hand? Yeah, it doesn't fit with your we're innocuous workers, and particularly so when you're walking around with your fucking great adamantine greatsword. So the theory is she's got to draw it from a concealed sheath, so that's kind no, of... No, no, she just pulls it out from her belt, but she's yeah. not walking around like this going, I am a threat, I yeah. am a threat, I am a threat. So she pulls her sword out, and as she has quick draw, yeah. so the saying, yes, sorry. she whips it out quickly and endeavors to just implant it in the chest of this thing, wedging it into the, the weak points in the plate and the cracks. Yes. Because uh, she gets to sneak attack it while she's... Indeed she does, and she's got to use her regular human 
Non, and she will forego the tower shield at this point. Yeah. For once. Yeah. Favoring hitting over, um. I, 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 I'm very startled. Because it, it's not really a question of whether you can take these things down. You're no. pretty damn confident you can. It's how quickly you can yeah. take them down. Uh, so that is a 25 to hit. Yep. So she will walk it. Cool. Um, and then I will roll her damage. And she does indeed, with her fierce skills, penetrate through the plate and into the gears. I feel like it's very Michaela to have sort of used the time that she spent with first to figure out how you can stab the golem, just hypothetically. Ah, uh, she mostly took that feat about Irabetti. Yeah. Like, running on the theory of we're, we're going here sooner or later. And and it was either that or Grave Strike, and it was, I, I can turn the undead. Yeah. So I can hurt them in a different way, and I can heal them and harm them that way. Yeah. Golems and plants, I can do fuck all again. Yeah. Take something so I can. Yeah. Uh, 10, 14, Jeez. Sorry. 28. Um, uh, 35. Damn, girl. Is she just going to one-shot this thing? Uh, no, but damn near. Wow. Uh, 41 points of damage to it. Whoa. <laughs> and she, she's up to 66 sneak attack now, so it's Sweet. getting fierce. Yeah. And, of course, it's Michaela, so she's fucking strong. She, yeah. She's got 22 strength. So yeah, yeah. She pulls out her lovely elder She's got 22 strength? She has 22 strength. Oh, my goodness. She's six points stronger than me. Really? Uh, no, that's not true. Um, no, okay, yeah, no, I'm on 22 as well, but, yeah. um, yeah. She's got 18 strength naturally. And, and a plus four belt. Yeah, okay, that's alright. So have I. I feel better about that now. <laughs> it's like she's a half-orc or something. Separately. Yeah. So she like, yanks the long sword I'm, out. I'm okay with her being as strong as me. I'm just rams okay it through the plate. As twists it. Me. Uh, does it 41 points of damage, and as it doesn't go down, uh, she will then proceed to use her second attack to hit the other one. Yeah. Which she can also sneak attack. Uh, that one she may well miss. Nope. Oh, that's flat blue. Uh, uh, Man, even the, the one-handed isn't actually impressive when you get enough strength behind it. 14. Alright, so... You want a bit of scrap paper? Yeah, I wouldn't say no. So, 41 points to one, and 30 to the other. Whoa! As she's very much running on the theory that she knows that she can't cleave it, but she knows you can. Yeah. And you're up. Cool. Okay. Kaelin will quick draw his adamantine greatsword. Yep. And, um, walk, um, slightly less injured, um, guard in the head with his first attack. Yep. Okay, um, that's a 36. Yep. Which I presume will hit. Uh, yes, quite comfortably, shockingly. Yeah, um, sorry, it's a 38 because it's gone. Uh, so, because it's the adamantine greatsword, it's D6s. And because, again, because it's gone, Is this the less injured one? Yes, this is the less injured one. Cool. Alright, um, so that is... Twenty-six points of damage. Okay, and with a <laughs> noise and a smashing of clockwork parts, it falls down. Cool. 
Kaelin endeavours to cleave the other guy. Yep. And, uh... Okay, so it's a minus two. Admittedly, you 23 on to hit that guy. You and okay. Kayla make a pretty good alpha strike pair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, we are hyped... We, we are built to take golems for fairly obvious reasons. Okay, um... Just on the dice, I've got, um... Sixteen here. Yeah, I, I've got another eleven points in reserve, but I, I don't know that I need them. Yeah. So these things are actually reasonably tough and strong. They're easily the equal of any guardsman that you have in your kingdom, and actually, you know, you're sort of looking at the equivalent of about fifth level worth fifth, fifth level characters here. Yeah. So. For a palace guard, it's very impressive compared to the person who slays giant owlbears. It's not very impressive. Yeah, it's kind of... Um, we wouldn't feel quite as comfortable with it, but we could do the strict two human guards yes. standing at this door, too. <laughs> yes, my my point being, effectively, he has quite elite guards for basically Mookie guardsmen. Yeah. Um. But that solved that problem. Yeah. <laughs> And with a thud and a crash and a slight kick <laughs> of gears, they go down. And uh, depending on whether you want to take the time or not, you can effectively sort of autopsy them with an engineering check, which would give you information on what they can do or what they can't do. It does seem like useful information. But what I want to do to begin with is move them, because um, guardsmen not standing here may look suspicious, but yeah, not yeah. as suspicious as this men but guardsmen. chunks of clockwork all over the place. Yeah. Are you going to move them into this room? Uh, that seems like the logical next move. Sure. Yeah. So the next step is to check the door. Yeah. Uh, which Michaela will nat 20. Uh, okay, so she tells you that the workshop door is... She looks at... She's, uh, all right. Well, this isn't locked, and these units don't have keys. There doesn't seem to be any obvious method of disarming or bypassing this, although there must be one. I, this is not. This door isn't set to set off an alarm or anything like that. It's simple force. Based on the drip mechanisms, I would guess acid, fire, something in that neighborhood, maybe. Anything that goes through the door is going to go is going to be taking a great deal of damage. Ah. And these units didn't think that we'd be authorized to be inside on any level. I would say they have no method of entry. Hmm. Unfortunately, there's not a lot I can do about it. She doesn't have Dimension Door or anything like that. Uh, one moment. Let me hold up my choices. I can endeavour to... I can endeavour to temporarily dispel the trap. It would probably get us in, but we would only have... Uh, we would only have several seconds at most to get whatever we need before we need to get out again. We couldn't just get far enough away from the door? Uh, no, her problem is, like, if you dispel the trap, it will go down temporarily and you can get into the room. But if you're then going to explore and read a bunch of books and things, the dispel is going to wear off before you need to leave the room. Yeah. Which, uh, you may or may not be happy with. 
that's um, up to you. But that's what she's got in her pants. Um, you can literally hack a hole in the wall and go in that way with your adamantine greatsword. Subtle it ain't, but... Um, but it would solve the problem. And no, she has several roots out of here, but no roots in. Brent could dimension door you through. Yes, well, it would be more convenient to have Michaela make me golem disguises and then Brynn and I use the golem disguises and sne- also sneak around. Yeah. But, you know, I, I can't just swap my party members. I, I can't, you know, just go to the party member screen and select a different party member now. I'm Brynn jumps out of the bag of holding. <sighs> Bloody hard to hold my breath in there. Also disturbing. Um, okay. uh, technically have a potion of protection for fire. <laughs> Uh-oh. All right, it worked. It worked when I did it with Tristram. Do your dispel bit. Get us in. We'll worry about it out when we've found what we when we see what we came to find. Uh, yeah. Can I have a player's handbook? Sure. To work out what happens when you just spell a magic crap. I know it ceases functioning temporarily, but I yeah. don't know what the DCs and all that sort of stuff are. Yeah, because this is exactly how Trist- what Tristram and I did to get into the um, whirling ball thing, is we were like, alright, this method will get us in. How are we going to get out? We'll worry about that when we're in. So, yeah, it suppresses it for, um, I'm pretty sure. Hey, can I have the DMG to look at the traps? Sure. It, it either suppresses it for like a D4 round, which is very much you suppress it and then run through the door. Yeah. Or you, um. At which point we may hide the golem somewhere else. Oh, not really. I mean, you could pretty, you could pretty trivially move through a door in that time period. Like, these Something things are not so massively man- heavy that Kaelin and Michaela can't just pick them up. And yeah, very true. We're, we're easily pushing up to each manhandle one through. Yeah, both of you are easily butch enough to manhandle both of them through and probably the other person as well. Yeah. Good old supernatural strength enhancement. I'm pretty proud of that one, two, three kill. So like it wouldn't have worked as it wouldn't have worked as well without Michaela. Although depending on how well Kaelin hit in the lower hits, it might have might have done the trick anyway. But I'm certainly have struggled to take them both because I can only cleave once. Okay, cool. So uh, she will just have her best go at this, and she's got one of these. So yeah, it either works or it doesn't. Yeah. Just all right. Pick them up. And get ready to move them through quickly. I can stop the I can stop the trigger temporarily, but I don't know if it'll last. I don't know that it will last terribly long. She rattles her holy symbols. Help us solve the mystery. What lies beyond this door? She is now a. Cool, and. She 
you see nothing in particular happen because yeah. it goes from not doing anything to not doing anything. She sort of aims a hand up and waves it across the ceiling, the um, the top of the door, and she's now go. Yep. You burst through, flip the door shut behind you, and nothing happens. Cool. Because the trap does not go off after the fact. It is suppressed while you are moving through the door. Cool. Later, when you move through the door again, it will go off. Yeah. Cool. And we deposit the golems a sufficient route through the door and have to have a look around the room. Yep. Uh, And it is immediately rapidly clear that you are in a workshop of some kind, as opposed to a library. Uh, looking around at it, Kaelin is guessing this was at some point a private library. What you've got here are a lot of um, still bookshelves and things like that. It looks like a library that has been repurposed into a workshop without altering the fundamental nature of the room. Like, you yourself would move out all these bookshelves and put in tables and workbenches and that sort of thing. A couple of workbenches have been added to the room, but nothing much has been taken away. The books are all gone. All the shelf space has been used for gears and spanners and that sort of thing. Um, And again, it's got that weird kind of stuck-in-place vibe the rest of the palace has. This room has not been changed from its original purpose as a library, but it's been repurposed so it's nothing like a library anymore, but in a weird way. And that, and there is nothing obviously in here jumping out at you. So that is what you see at a couple of seconds glance. Cool. Alright, so I do indeed then spend a little bit of time examining the guards. Give me a knowledge engineering check. Um, 27. I have, it's kind of a weird fit for Kaelin, but I've now spent quite a bit of time looking into various golem Yes. Yep. yep. I'm developing, and you know, this is why I took knowledge engineering, yeah. but I am sort of developing some yeah, so knowledge about this. You, you still don't know you could build one of these, no. but you have a pretty clear idea how they work. You know, yeah. this turns the arm which does this. This is sort of the processing bit of the brain. Um, and of course I can see magic, so you know, yes. if it's got magical trap trap alarm sensor things, I might be able to tell that they're there. By and large, these things do what you would expect. They have swords, they have bows, they're quite capable of wielding them. Um, what these ones have in, what these guard units have in addition, that others do not, um, uh, they have a couple of additional works within them and around their shoulder plates and that sort of thing. And as you look at them, you suspect that this one is some sort of sound generator and a loud sound generator, something that will project out from them like a ray coming from their shoulder and go boom. Functionally, they can cast sound burst. Cool. Which is, you would assume that you what you don't find is internal radios and etc. etc. What you get instead is bang when they fire this stuff off. Which is a nice design option because it simultaneously attacks the um, intruders and makes a loud noise to let everybody else know that there's a problem. Yeah. Uh, the second thing that they have in these in these shoulder plate parts are what you are really really not expecting to find in here a mouse in a box with like there's little ear holes for it and little food and water and that sort of thing there's there's a mouse contained in here and clearly it can exit out if you open this flap and etc etc they can also cast animal messenger 
Ugh. <laughs> That's hilarious. And the third one appears to be an externally facing device that assesses other things. Uh, these ones can also cast detect thoughts. Oh, neat. Um, and these are... And if you're a golem, the fact that you have thoughts is presumably <laughs> a bit suspicious. Yes. Although they presumably they presumably have limitations on these things, because yeah. it didn't just fire off and detect thoughts as soon as it sees you. It needs yeah. to be assessed that something suspicious is happening. Yeah. Except you sort of bypass that by jumping straight to we want to do the forbidden thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so at that point we were doing something suspicious. So yeah, they have multiple different ways of mm. detecting and assessing things and getting messages out in there. Well, I mean, the thing was, our plan to successfully get into the room we would need two things, which is we would need to be droids routinely go into this, gloms routinely go into this room, which they clearly don't, and we're like droids that should go in there, like cleaning droids, even though we look nothing like cleaning droids, so it's kind of, you know, there is no good reason for us to be in this room, and if you were a human, I might be able to lie to you about that, but you're a golem and there is no logical reason for us to be doing this. The impression you're getting from this workshop is that nobody goes into it in terms of the cleaning units and that, it's clean and it's tidy and it's well organized, but not quite to the same sterile environment this yeah. room is used. And honestly, you'd guess that because everything's not quite as meticulously in exactly the right place, it's used by presumably Ereveti himself. And Ereveti alone. And Ereveti alone. The cleaning units do not come in here. Ereveti yeah. cleans it himself. Yeah, and that's very much, you know, this whole place is Ereveti alone. 40,000 cleaning droids don't make him any less alone. Yes. Yes, you're you're not wrong. Mm -hmm. Presumably there are a few rooms in this palace that have been used to actually house people. Like, as far as you're aware, Gaitain lived here. Yeah. General Jurg lives here. But it's notable... Uh, Villamorkov lives here, although you don't know if he's a person or not. I don't think lives is the right adjective in that case anymore, unless we're applying it to a Rivetti. Um... But the thing is that, um, notably, they're kind of weird loners. The, the ones that are people are weird loners who, you know, possibly have low standards for social interaction. Yeah, yeah it's true. I mean, Gaitain was not exactly normal, and the other guy is Oni. And, I mean, if he can build robots that can clean things, he can presumably build robots that can feed people and that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're not exactly talking about a grand uh, a grand um, dinner happening every night here. Uh, I would imagine he has palace gardens which produce food, because he clearly has palace gardens that produce, produce flowers. flowers. Yeah. And that's probably the same thing. For that matter, he probably has regular humans bring deliveries to golems of food. Yes. Yes, nobody delivers stuff into the palace, but people could deliver stuff to the palace. Yeah, because all you need is, like, an antechamber, and the palace, you know, sort of external to the palace, and the palace probably already has that kind of thing, because that's kind of fairly normal. Yeah, well, also, how much, um, how, how much could people really be eating in here? Yeah. Among other things, there are, um, this palace is designed to hold hundreds of people at any given time, and it is holding a single digit's worth of people, half of whom you don't think eat or sleep. Yeah, and, and you know, some of whom are now dead, so we've really cut that catering bill in and, half. And Gaitain did not exactly strike you as a guy who was super fussy about having caviar every night. The Oni, on the other hand, might be a different story, but yeah. you could literally feed him out of a bag of holding that's full of impressive foodstuffs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's actually entirely possible that Ravetti's got some kind of, you know... 
um, that are enchantments that you can just use to solve this problem. Yes. And, um, you know, it might be a fairly trivial expenditure on kingdom scale. Just say, yeah. salt this, we don't need food. I've only got five people that need to eat in this entire place. Uh, this table produces a magic meal every night. Then the clear, you know, people who live here can come feast. in. Heroes feast. Yeah, people who live here come in and have a hero's feast. And then the robots take the remaining food to, um, you know, my random prisoners. <laughs> Problem solved. Bim, boom, bam, done. Okay, and so it it is obvi- very obviously a clockwork workshop. There are pieces and tools and all that sort of thing everywhere. Uh, of things that are immediately obvious before you start searching it or assessing it, uh, there is a big-ass map on the wall of the River Kingdoms. Yeah. Your guess is this is functionally his tactics table, although... Looking at it, it is missing a lot of the things that you have on yours. And as Kalen thinks about it, you realize that when you do your tactics and your planning, you need to communicate what's in your head to other people. And you have a lot of complex information that you need to keep track of, so you keep notes and all that sort of thing. On the surface, it looks like Erevedi has a lot less of this. Like, he really can just keep it all in his head. Because he's got some kind of hyper-advanced clockwork memory and doesn't have anyone else he And, and because he doesn't have anyone to. else he's communicating his plans to. Yeah. Like, there's still stuff in that nature here, but yeah. far less of it than you were expecting. Yeah. So, uh, the map. Yep. Most obvious thing, I imagine. Cool. So, his map, um, his tactics map, has uh, yes. a bunch of pins in it. Ah, uh, yep. Just dug out the pie-technically worn up lads. Uh, as to where things are. Um, along with the meticulous little box that is next to it, that is the pins of things that are no longer there, like his wife and army. And yeah. Stuff. This is this is very much his tactics table. It's a map of where all his armies are and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and he has very much had little pins and labels and things for the armies doesn't have that have meticulously been taken out and put to the side. Yeah. Um, Alright. So... Uh, Get some pencils, because this feels like a writing things down conversation. It's about to be a writing things down conversation. You have a Pytaxian regiment who are here, in, pinned in Pytaxia. Yep. You have a second Pytaxian regiment that are here, pinned in Pytaxia. Yep. Um, you have the Clockwork Cavalry who are here, pinned in Pytaxia. Yeah. Yep. You have several things removed that are the armies you have accounted for. Yep. Um, of note, to you, of some vague note to you, the River Raisers and the Hill Giants are both in the dead pile, despite the fact that neither of them are actually dead. Yeah. So the Hill Giants 
he might or might not know are dead, but they have certainly left his employee. Left yeah, his, yeah, I mean, from a field. certain perspective, he doesn't need to get a second box, box to, for wandered yeah. off, but didn't actually die. Certainly what you don't find is the pin that says, here's Stagthorn, here are the river raisers, hiding out next to it. Yeah, so he doesn't appear to know that. Correct. Cool. Um, that the thing that you do not possess already... Um, is that there are something called the Cat's Paw Mercenaries, um, which he has a pin for, which is stuck off the side of the board, indicating to Kaelin, as a person who's done this sort of thing before, that he has employed a mercenary army who are presently nowhere in particular. Yeah. Um, like, i.e. they're not camped out waiting for him to go. He's ju- he's bought the mercenary army who are on their way here, functionally. Yeah. yeah. Um... And that accounts for all of his armies. Cool. Good to know. So, two two big regiments that are here, his elite clockwork cavalry. Cool. And this, these cat's poor mercenaries. Oh, that's the thing. I think I forgot to do it last time. Yes. I, as I was walking into Pytaxia, I wanted to make an assessment of its defences for the point of view of defence value. I probably can't make an exact one, but I was looking for a... Uh, uh, or possibly we did do that, and I've just forgotten because you said it's not like it's not like. Oh uh, yes, yes, you did do that, and I cool. said it's it's somewhat defended to the extent that sort of Stagthorn is, cool. but not to the insane extent that Drelev was. So cool. it's got a defense value that's sitting sort of between you know ten and twenty. Kind so of wait, thing, yeah, but that's Drelev's insane forty plus defense value. Yeah, that's that's where I thought it was at, which is cool because my one siege engine will be able to make some impact on that over time. Cool. All right. Sweet. So he's got the two Pytax regiments, mercenary army on the way, and his clockwork army. Yep. Uh, he has a bunch of pins in and around Stagthorn um, and your kingdom. Yeah. Assessing what you like, you can very much read this sort of map and yeah. guess what it is that he he hasn't left detailed notes of exactly what's happening, but you can guess what it is he's assessing. Obviously, he's got the locations of your cities. He's got what armies he knows are there and what yeah. he's got. He's He's at this point got a pretty good accounting of what armies you possess. It if, makes if sense. If not precisely where they are. Uh, I mean, he's he's mounted four. It, we've had four separate war, we've had four separate battles at this point. He's had a lot of and I've marshaled a lot of armies. He's had a lot of opportunity to see where they are and where they come from and where they go. He has Mivon's armies on here and Grolton's armies and Timon's armies. Ah, uh, yep. And a bunch of other people who he's not presently remotely at war with that he's just tracking. Yeah. Um, secondly, he has other things on this map. Uh, Littleton, you already know where it is. If you yeah. didn't, it is here. Uh, Hemlock Island is here, which I believe you also know where it is. Yeah, it's uh, that's a. I've got which hex it's in, and I've got the Erevetti's messages. You shouldn't go there. Um, and it is indeed marked on the map. Um, Hemlock Island. Outer Dark. Ooh, okay, I'll, I'll put a note on there about that. Sealed, do not use. Cool. Good tip. Um. Don't take Tristram. In B9, 
which is the other forbidden area. Uh, uh, it's not... Is it B9? Yes? Uh, oh, right, yes, sorry, I'm just doing it wrong. The Weeping Grove. Yes. Uh, he has it listed as something else. Califraxis's grave. Ooh. Well, we knew he had to be somewhere. But man, I hope Ravetti isn't the one that's responsible for that. I mean, he was old. Maybe he just had a... He was old. Yeah, he um, may just have like, a... Hill Stomper expected that Califraxis was dead at this yeah. point. Um, In all fairness, it's been, you know, umpteen years since Califraxis was adventuring and he was old then, so... But, yeah. Um, so it says Califraxis' grave. Uh, there is something here to be assessed with a search check, which Michaela will not make. Okay. Would two make a difference? Uh, no. Okay, then we fail to pick that up. Like, it's fine fine detail in what's in the note, effectively. Yeah, no, that's alright. I guess in theory you could also do it with linguistics, although... Um, no, no, no. no this group. Uh, uh, we just fail that one. Secondly, um, there is something in A6. A6. Right, okay, I know nothing about A6. It is listed as the Castle of Knives. Ooh, sounds troubling. Occasionally. Oh, that's fun. Possibly some kind of extraction. Extra dimensional or fey thing. White Rose Abbey and the Tripartic Stone are both noted on here. Yeah, which uh, I already exactly know about. you would expect them to be. Um, in that is C5. Yep. Um, it is listed as Hunger Dark. You. And has some sort of notation there that. Uh, appears to be literally a string of gold pieces and valuables and that sort of thing. Yeah. Whether it's what's listed there, what's sitting there, or what's going there, or whatever, but valuables. Query. Treasure query. Treasure query, hunger die. Um, Mount Brathland um, has listed very clearly on it First World first world Portal. Uh, where is Mount Brathland? Uh, in... You've, actively explored it's in C4 ah. uh, in White Rose Abbey uh, no oh, sorry. White Rose Abbey is in D4 uh, C4 uh, Mount Mount Rithland right yes some kind of faith in you climbed up a monster graveyard there's yes. a big flat thing uh, top yes. full of bones full of monster yes Erevedi uh, has it listed as first world portal dash active dash Jabberwocky Okay. Question mark. And that is about it from the point of view that things you don't know. Uh, He's got the um, Steam Grotto listed on there as unsuitable. Yeah. Um, And I am pretty confident you have already found all of his 
farms and things. Can I just pinch your map for a second? Sure. I've got the ones crossed out that I burned. Yep. Uh, he has all the farms and fisheries that you are aware of um, marked. Yep. And no more. Yep. And that is what you find in here. Okay. Uh, he does not have several things that you have encountered, like the Warsworn and the Laura Rusk, but like you have no idea whether the Warsworn was there because you were there, or if it's a thing that's always there, uh, you'd guess the former. Yeah, I think it was there because I was there. Hmm. So yeah, uh, that is what is on his map and his tactics thing and such for. Who? What else can I find? Uh, that's it for the map. Uh, the rest of it is a... One moment for loading. This one has moved on. The rest of it are a whole bunch of clockwork pieces and plans and things like that. You do not find in here a nice, convenient journal mm. or book of notes or diary or anything in that neighborhood. Um, there's nothing to stop you searching this stuff up. It's not hidden, per se. But actually working out what the hell you were looking at is a knowledge engineering check. Yeah. In fact, it is two knowledge engineering checks because there are two useful bits of information. Okay, well, I will... Make those normal. Actually, in fact, what you find is Michaela searches the room are lots of clockwork parts and lots of plans. Um, some of which you, which are obviously related to things he has built or things he is building or ideas he has or whatever. Yep. Um, uh, there will be a whole string of checks here, in fact. Uh, the first of which, will I think, will start easier than go hard. Yep. So the first of which you can give me a knowledge engineering or an intelligence check, because you have enough capacity to do this. Michaela will use intelligence. Uh, Kaelin will use his knowledge engineering, because um, it's better, so... Yep. Uh, 31. Okay. Both of you are very sure of what you are looking at here. Um, these are blueprints, notes, schematics on first. Right. Um, they have been assessed and redrawn and redone and redone and redone and redone and redone. Irovedi is trying to work out where he went wrong. Right, yeah. Um, when you look at it, there doesn't appear to be anything in the design that you can see that is actually broken, but Irovedi has gone back and assessed it again and again and again to see how it can be fixed. And his fixes look like they move to progressively reducing firsts, um, not his intelligence per se, his personality, yeah, his his spirit, the things that make him an individual, his yeah. heart. Super glad never gave um, first to Eti. And he is effectively trying to fix him in the abstract here, having not gotten the actual yeah. unit. Uh, query: Does this unit have a soul? Pretty much. <laughs> so. Now you have a very good assessment of what Irovedi fixing first looks like. He is yep. going to remove all the things that make him first, because that will make him better. Yeah. Super glad. 
feeling good uh, about my decisions. Second knowledge engineering check, and th- at this point we move past intelligence, because yep. first is a thing Michaela can do conclusions about, because she actually knows what it is. 35. Okay. I just nat 20 that. The second one is Villamore Koth is indeed a clockwork person. Because I just found blueprints for him? Yes, you did. Yeah? Uh, and I will tell you about Villamore Koth. Okay. So, the schematics on Koth are incomplete, intentionally so, um, as if there are bits that Rovetti has not been prepared to write down even for the purposes of helping himself build Koth. And you think that, like the Clockwork King himself, Koth is or was a person at some point. Yikes. Um, I wonder if he volunteered for the procedure. So... Koth was a person. Irovedi has deliberately left out the secret of how to turn yourself into a clockwork man, but that's clearly what he's done. Well, that's cool, Kalen doesn't want to know. Um, in terms of what Villamore Koth does, he presumably has a base personality in there somewhere, although give, with that knowledge engineering check you can pick up a lot of that has been suppressed. Koth is less an extension of the original person and ex- more an extension of what the clockwork king wants. Um, he is functionally very similar to a barbarian he is very strong, he is very tough and he can overdrive himself by functionally raging he works mechanically like a barbarian so there's nothing complex in the way Koth is built, he's just built really well he's a big fuck off barbarian yeah Um, that's the second one third knowledge engineering check certainly turned out to be a good thing to specialize in for this adventure. 26. Okay. This one looks like some sort of schematic um, that relates a little to Erevetti. Uh Again, it's missing bits out of it. And things, yeah. But you can't assess anything useful out of it. I would like to. Sure. I would like to... Uh, on the other hand, I've got an 11 here. I would like to spend one of my... Do I think I'm close enough that I could um, push that... If I push that up, I'd be able to get somewhere? It is apparent to you, based on your knowledge, that you were looking at something about Erebeti here. Like, the schematic has a sheath about perfectly sized for blight, that sort of thing in it. Um, You are just missing what is to be gained here. Cool. I will... um spend a um, hero point of Michaela's to roll a d6. Cool. Endeavor to um, boost it. Cool. We can get them out if you want to. No, that's okay. I'm I'm just spending a random one. Cool. That boosts it to a 28. Uh. Get a pencil for starters so I can track that on the character sheet. Um, here's a pencil. Thank you. Processing two many different things at once. Right. So, 
at that point you can pick up this thing is not complicated particularly terribly complicated but it is precise it is some sort of strong unit um, and among other things one of the things Irovidi is building for it is a clockwork sword uh, not not a clockwork sword per se sorry uh, is a sword like blight but not blight itself um you suspect that what you are looking at here is basically some sort of copy of Erebeti, not a clone of him, because that would be far too sophisticated and difficult, something that looks and moves and presumably sounds like Erebeti. Like some kind of, you know, Erebeti's actually over here decoy type thing. It's a doom bot. Yeah. Functionally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yep. And then the last one, the hardest knowledge engineering check. Okay. Alright, I am going to spend one of Kaelin's hero points on that. Sure. Um, at which point I am going to draw Kaelin some hero points. On the off chance he picks up anything super exciting. Really spin the cyclone. Sure. Okay. Uh, that's a 27. Okay, so. If that doesn't do it, I don't think I'm going to pull this off. Yeah, this is some sort of other clockwork robot creation. It's not related to anything you know. Yeah. It's something new that he is building. It's not like a clone of Ravetti or yep. Fixes for First or Koth or anything like that. And you're looking at it going, cool, so he's building some kind of new clockwork um, man or creature or whatever. And I guess it's got sharp bits yep. and long bits and internal mechanisms and it generates heat and it moves. and It's really... Yeah, I, I, like, this could be anything from a new kind of clockwork um, guard unit to some sort of catapult. Yeah. You're just guessing and stabbing in the dark. And yeah, yeah. The, the, um, the familiarity of it now failing to push himself beyond his... But he's not a golem, he's not a golem engineer, Jim. <laughs> uh, the only thing you can work out from it is this is what he's presently working on. Or yeah. has been most presently working on. This is a new thing that either doesn't exist yet or um, has only just come into existence. Yeah. Alright, so I have that very vague piece of information. He's yep. working on a new thing. Yep. And it's a clockwork thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is pretty sure. Oh, no. Yeah, and um, obvious, Uruvesi doesn't write a lot of stuff down because he keeps a lot of stuff in his head. He's got some blueprints in here. Yep. Um, oh, and, oh, sorry, there is one last one that you can get that would be in here as well. Uh, can you give me another knowledge engineering check? Sure. And this one I net we, so that's a 35. Cool. Uh, when you looked at him, um, uh, I can't remember what context this came up in. 
Um, do you remember me describing a weird clockwork weapon that he had? I believe it was his lance that he was using on Javul. Vaguely, yeah. Javul, 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 He had a he had a high quality lance that is that looked like it was made of clockwork and had weird folds and bends and that sort of thing in it. Uh, you are looking at its schematics here. It appears to be a sort of reconfiguring weapon. It is designed to change its shape by moving like a transformer into other weapons. Um, And you can pick up what this thing is. Uh, It is magically infused, plus one. It is Feybane. Ah, nice. Um, And it is a reconfiguring weapon. You can actively set it to change from one sort of two-handed weapon to another sort of two-handed weapon. That doesn't inherently change the enchantments on it, but you can go, right, it's a great axe. Now it's a large, now it's a great sword. So don't bring Tristan into melee range of Verifetti. Not something I was super keen to do in any case. No. Um, and it doesn't, it take, the reason it takes a while to recognize this is the blueprints don't show you a lance. They show you this convoluted string of parts. Yeah. And you go, but if they fold this way, they're a great sword. If they yeah. fold this way, so it's a transforming two-handed weapon, finally. Yeah. Which is uh, fascinating. But... Yeah, absolutely. All right, so, um, and that's pretty much what we find. There's no, like, personal notes from when he was a guy and still kept that kind of thing. There are not. If there was ever such a thing in here, it is long gone. Yeah. Well, clearly, Irovetti's thinking in terms of what happens if someone broke into my private study and read my stuff. That's why his um his personal schematics appear to be devoid of like you know of course if someone stabs me here I'll die style information. Mm. It's like even here in his private sanctum with the hideous trap room he's um. Well, also Castruccio Rivetti, the living man, was of the opinion that nobody should have the information that Fallon had. Yeah. And the Clockwork King, to some extent, does what Rivetti wanted. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a grim way to think about it. Alright, um, okay, so now what I'm looking at is ways to get out of this room. Yeah, you have now assessed everything that you can find in here that is useful to you. Yeah. And you can loot a full set of masterwork clockwork parts out of here if you're so inclined, but how much of a shit do you get? Yeah, not really. Um, so I'm going to endeavor to, um... Like, if there's a closet somewhere, I'm going to shove the guards into it. Otherwise, I'm just going to tuck them in whatever the most discreet yeah, yeah, location there's... is. Irvedi is obviously going to be able to work out that we came here and did this. Yes. Or at least someone came here and did this. And I mean, I've got to top his suspect list. <laughs> yeah. Plus, you know, they were kind of stabbed with an adamantine greatsword, which is a bit of a giveaway. Um, yeah, well, he'd effectively be assessing their bodies and making an knowledge engineering check to go, this has been... Ki- this has been slain by a large double-handed weapon made of adamantine thorns. Yeah. So, um, but I'm mostly trying to put off that off by making it hard for him to find, because if we leave the bodies outside, then he just knows. Sure. Whereas, but there's only so, so many places in here we can conceivably hide them. Correct. So, if there's, like, a scrap pile, we might put uh, them... Yeah, in. actually, the best thing to do with them is to take them apart to the best extent that you can. Yeah. Just kind of pull them pull them into pieces. Yeah, and then just kind of put them And then scatter off. them around the room in, yeah. in the parts files. Yeah, I will do... We will do so. Yeah. It would be much more gruesome if there were people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and um, Kel will actually say to Mikael, well, 
one advantage of Uravetti's method is we um, didn't have to kill a couple of men out there. And at least he's clear in what communications are available. I'd have encoded these. Mm-hmm. Oh, aye, although it seems that he was concerned enough not to write everything down. I suppose these, and she sort of gestures the bloop, the schematics, are enough of a code in and of themselves. I can't make hide nor hear of them. I'm glad you can. At this point, I really know a lot more about golems than I can say I ever deci- desired to. But I'm pleased to say my general six skull means I can't. Uh, I don't really have the knowledge that Uravidi possesses, and certainly he hasn't written down his evil ritual anywhere. But it does, does give one furiously to think that Koth was once a living man. It does make me wonder if he volunteered for the procedure. He could be anywhere between a loyal, a desperately loyal follower to to a criminal, she says, and sort of takes a breath at this one and, and just gives Caitlin like this this slightly sideways look as the thought process goes through her head of like how loyal would you have to be to, to let your king do that to you? Would I do that? Yes. <laughs> Wait, is is cough functionally his Michaela? And mm. so you, I almost, I almost hoped that he wasn't a volunteer to have followed Uravetti into this, with Uravetti not knowing what he'd be taking away. The Clockwork King is, or whatever else, not a sadist. Nay, and he clearly isn't making a habit of this kind of thing. Uh, he's, as far as we know, aside from doing it to himself, Koth's the only one he's done it to. Perhaps Koth just wanted to be the best that there was. It's, it, it's not a common, not many people are willing to go to that extent, but there are those out there that are, or else there wouldn't be any things like liches and the like. And he must have, I mean, he must have spent quality personal time with Uravetti before that. He must have had some idea of what he was getting into if he did volunteer. I mean, you don't have to spend a lot of time with her if you need to work out that he's not exactly normal. I have stitched people together and done surgery before. No, I haven't. Damn you, Titania. I have the memories of having done so. I... I can tell you at the least that the sort of procedure that Uravidi is working on, from what little I can understand of it, would require a great strength of body and probably will both to survive it. He wouldn't be able to simply pick up random people on the street and transmogrify them to that extent, even if he were willing to. Koth would have had to have been a substantively strong or fierce warrior to begin with. One thought that heartens me, I don't delight in... um move on finding these plans, but there seems little point taking them with us because Uravetti can make more. But um, the secret of how to create another cough is only in Uravetti's head. Also, these plans are actually damned hard to assess. Yeah. Like, once you're passing those DC-30 checks, Kalen is not a mechanical genius, because that's DC 40. Yeah. But he's certainly mechanically really smart. Mimon yeah. is unlikely to be able to produce somebody who's got 18 ranks in knowledge engineering. Kind yeah. Of thing. If we take Uravetti out one way or another, 
that secret, well, dies with him. He, as a living man, he thought no man should would possess that knowledge, and no one besides him does. And I think he was right the first time. I'm not Tristan. I have no love for the Aslanti histories. I am concerned only for whatever relates directly to Stagthorn and what is happening here, but they must have been a broken and twisted people. They're almost better off as the lizard folk of Mirkvale, I think. Well, um, from what Zitlo was able to absorb of Tristram's dissertation on the subject, I gather gather they went downhill over time. I mean, um, it's not a customary concept in the River Kingdoms having civilizations thousands of years old, but from what I've picked up, such things do decay over time sometimes. I don't think that was... I don't think that was exactly the ancient lizard folk's finest hour. And, you know, not... Us all killing each other before we ever managed to get a history of that length is, um, not necessarily a preferable method. <laughs> anyway. Nice work on... Nice work on the guards. And you. We certainly... They're obviously capable of sounding an alarm of sorts. Aye. If we find more, we'll need to go through them just as quickly. Aye, and um, we got lucky that we were faster on the draw there. We can't guarantee of doing it a second time. But that's not our immediate problem. Immediate problem is how we get back out. Based on my assessment of the trap, it's triggered by simply passing through the door. There must be a bypass. Presumably the Clockwork King doesn't drown himself in acid every time he comes in. Though I suppose if one was sufficiently resistant to it, you could. She says, sort of Dear, dreadful waste of acid. Nay, no, that can't be it. But absent of go, absent of going through without going through that door, the only other useful method I can see of bypassing it is to be very fast and very strong. Uh, at which point, I think I'll go after you, after you or. Perhaps ahead of you. Uh, so basically, her assessment is there's nothing much you can do about this. You can't yep. disarm it. You don't have yep. the capacity. You can't... There's probably a hidden bypass, but she can't find yep. it because that's part of the disabled device check. Um, there is... Um, there are various magical and supernatural methods of getting through. You could cut a hole in the wall. Yeah. Or you could just charge through, and her suggestion is if you're going to do that, effectively it'll be triggering a reflex save which either she could do first because she's better at reflex saves and then you go through after it's gone off before it presumably resets itself. Um, Or you could go first on the basis that you've got a lot more hit points and just go, oh god, the acid, it burns me. Yeah. And, um, well, I got us in here. So that's that's about what I've got to float to you. She's actually perfectly happy with either because what's your reflex save? Uh, twelve. Okay, so she's actually only several points, only a couple of points ahead of you. Yeah. So one, so you reckon if it if it's gone off, it'll take a few, it'll take a little bit to reset before it's ready for the next next dousing like? It's a mechanical, it's a mechanical device with magic generating the acid, but these things always take time to reset. Not massively long, I would imagine, but I'll be right behind you. Alright. Alright. Then I think we solve this the orcish method. And Kaelin opens the door. Kaelin just stand a few foot back and opens the door. Yep. And indeed, knowing this is going to happen, you basically just fling the door open and charge straight through. Yep. Uh, 
Okay, uh, can you, as you do so, as soon as you move through the door frame, there is a click and a noise, and nozzles from somewhere unseen go and start spraying what is in fact acid down upon you. Yep. Um, can you give me a reflex save at a plus two, because you know this is coming in a well-braced form. Yep, it's like I've got trap sense. And if you have evasion... Yeah, that would be more useful. On the other hand, I rolled poorly. But you'd be sad if you didn't get to set anything on this palace off, right? 15. So, you're looking at going, okay, so I want to step through and then immediately duck and roll, but your timing is off. You're yep. expecting the thing to go off after a click were, yep. and instead it goes click yep. immediately. So you get a full dose of acid to the face. Yep. Roll me some D6s. Okay, so this is like going into a volcano. There is this not just spurt of acid not just curtain of acid, it is a fire hose worth of acid blasting yep. down upon you. Can you take 72 points of damage? Oof, okay, yep. As you take 20d6 worth of acid. Hardcore. 72, you say? Yes. Yep. So, it is like being sprayed with a high-pressure fire yep. hose full of acid. It's <laughs> He actually, um, he doesn't make a very loud noise. Yeah. He makes a, um, he makes a very quiet, but heartfelt moaning noise. And Michaela, tower shield over her head, <laughs> yeah. braced, just sprints through immediate, the second the acid curtain stops, yeah. the spray stops, she sprints through and nothing happens to her. Yeah. And Kellen will spend some time, uh, effectively, with his gauntleted hands, getting the stuff off himself. Sort of try and pat you down and help yeah. you. Gods, are you alright? That looks substantive. Once I can do it again. But yeah, I'm alright. And Kellen takes half his hit points of damage. Yep, yep. That would have cleanly dropped Michaela. Yeah. I figured the chances of making the reflex save were pretty good, but... Yeah, yeah, it's a nasty, nasty trap. Yeah. Well, bloody hell, he's certainly taken care of... He may not have exactly overspent on the guards, but he's certainly um, taking... That that would... um, He wouldn't... He he would just carry out whoever tried to break into his private workroom in a bucket. I would say the Clockwork King doesn't have a lot of tolerance for thieves in here, particularly for his secrets. Alright. Alright. If you've got a healing spell um, up your sleeve, I wouldn't. Right. I wouldn't say no to one. Yeah. It's done that to fix it all, but um... why don't we try it? One of these better ones. Uh, cure critical wounds. Cure. Mm-hmm. Uh. 
Uh, have 27 points back again. Sweet. Alright, so... Sweet. And Caleb's largely fine. Yeah, yeah. Aravetti is not fucking around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's fucking his, his messages don't go into the secret workroom. There are two guards right there. And, and they didn't appear to be, you know... Stab on sight. If you know, I, I think if we'd kept walking, they wouldn't have stabbed us for being. You know, if some humans happened to wander in yeah, here. Yeah, because the guards would warn them off. Um, you know from experience that Iravetti. You know from what you found out, Iravetti takes court in a courtyard out here. So, yeah. uh, not actually outside the palace, but there's presumably internal court. It, you know what I mean by courtyard? Yeah, 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 it's yeah, an yeah. external garden as opposed yeah. to in his throne room. So. Presumably people shouldn't be wandering around here, but yeah. Irovetti doesn't strike you as the sort of guy who randomly murders anyone who's in the wrong place in his palace. In fact, that may actually be one of the guard's principal functions. Redirect they... people? Yeah, you're not, don't go through the door. Yeah. Seriously, man, don't go through the door. Because You'll be sorry if you... you will... And then, you know, if the guards fail, the um, 20d6 of acid damage well, says you shouldn't yeah. have gone through at, the door. At the point where the guards fail, it takes active malevolent intent. You yeah. have to be intentionally sneaking past them or breaking them. Whereas you couldn't have... Irovedi has someone in here for some reason... That person is wandering around the palace and innocently wanders through his ass. The door couldn't yep. happen with his guards on it. Yeah. And them's the theory. Yeah. Alright. And Jalen healed of um, a, a third yeah. of his horrible acid damage, largely dusts himself off. She says, I can provide, I can provide more if you require it. I don't think at this stage, um, if we run across a, a, Something it, it hopefully won't be too nasty, and if it is anything nasty, we're we're leaving. This isn't the day we fight a Ravetti if we can help it. Uh, all right, now let's let's move on. All right, and I would like to at this point make a relationship check with Michaela. Sure. Combined with um, admiring her skills and um, doing the acid trap. Yep. Kind of Because I'm buff and hardcore. It's kind of a low-key bonding moment. Um, and I will use my free agent to change reroll. Yep. She, she definitely appreciates a, a half-orc hardcore enough to take 72 points of acid damage to the head and keep going. Yeah. However, I do not... I use my relationship chance. Yep. And I do not improve my relationship. I rolled poorly twice. Similarly. Yep, that's all right. But I think she already appreciates a half-orc hardcore enough to do that. Alright. With the two now? Uh, now I think, having failed to now attempt to discover secret papers, we're going to see if we can find um, some kind of um, prisoners. Yep. Okay. So... I think we, we know... We may not know all the answers to the story of Ravetti, but we... We know what we need to know. I suspect there isn't a fix here. So at this point, I need another knowledge engineering check in terms of where to find things in the palace, uh, and I will give you um, the matter of what you're actually doing here, uh, which is effectively, it's not that you can't find these things, it's a question of you are somewhat on a clock here, because sooner or later, more people are going to discover you wandering around. And in this case, now, sooner or later, people are going to discover the guard corpses that yeah. you have left, or who are missing from their posts, or that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, 
I endeavoured to make it there could be an innocent explanation for this in the way that two dismembered guards doesn't say so, but if there's always two guards on this position... Broadly speaking, the faster you go, the better you... um, Yeah. The better off you are. The taking 20 on your knowledge engineering check is basically we just look in every room as we go, which is slow and... and English. Uh, 25. Okay. So... You start to head through an area that um, you are starting to head towards the. This be relative. Um, basically, you're heading towards the side that you think is going to get the best sun, warmth, that sort of thing, where you would put people. Iroveti um, expressly told you that he was keeping Keston in a. Um, effectively in a suitable style, so yeah. he's imprisoned in a nice guest wing somewhere, as opposed to imprisoned in a hideous jail, manacled to walls, getting eaten by rats kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I have I have taken it on faith that he's keeping yeah. some, Kirsten somewhere relatively humane. Uh, and, he, he actively told you yeah, that, that he would keep Kirsten yeah. in a um, I, I'm trusting you already for that. Style. And I'm kind of actually hoping he's imprisoned him with the kid, because... I was assuming there'd be human contact in the form of their jailers, but given their jailers are almost certainly golems, and Uravetti doesn't necessarily know that human contact's important. Uh, there's there's a good line of logic there. Um, Uravetti is not a sadist, so he doesn't strike you as the sort of person who's going to put people randomly in the dungeon of rat-eating. Yeah. Um, uh, Simon, um, Simon Rusk is a valuable hostage whom he wants to treat well. Yeah. Um... So whether or not he's in with Keston specifically, he's almost certainly in the same sort of place. Yeah, that you know, was, I always the same room. I always in. figured that. It's just I hadn't really figured on Keston being in a place where he'd see no other people for a year. So I'm hoping he's not effectively in solitary confinement because Irvedi wouldn't see that as a problem. So you start heading for that area. Uh, you do not find that first, uh, because you are literally passing through something else that might be of interest on the way. Yeah. So we'll give that to you. It's not that you can't find what you're looking for, it's yeah, that yeah. on the way you're finding something else. Uh, what you are passing through are, these are less barracks and more bedrooms, living quarters and that sort of thing. Um, some of, the, and this area looks just a little more lived in, a little less entirely perfect and precise with everything in the right place. Yeah. Which makes you think there are actually people, if not living here, moving through this area on a regular basis. This is actually occupied in some way. Yeah. And what you are looking at here is a string of what you would guess are like guest bedrooms or when I say that, I mean, like, Svetlana lives in a guest bedroom in, yeah. in, in your castle, effectively. Um, so things like that. This is probably where Gaitain and um, General Jurg and other people make their... make their Yeah, because they have to be living somewhere be- in the palace. Yeah. Make their beds. Excuse me, I'm all over the place tonight. Um, and the king would want to be, you know, vaguely close, but also isolated. So... Down there, you're guessing, is Irovetti's bedroom. Yeah. If you want to poke into that. If not, you can pass it because you'd guess the prisoners probably aren't being held here. They've been held in a slightly more secure bit in somewhere nearish to here. No, Irovetti has to be somewhere around, 
Elmed here and we didn't find him in his private workshop, which was a gamble. Yeah. So it is a good chance he's in his bedroom? Possibly. No, we um we bypassed that. The goal is not to find a Rivetti. Cool. Um it may be that's where his secret journal is, but rumbling his actual bedroom for a guy who does not sleep is a bit too is a bit too risky. So bypassing that, you head through to the area that you think would effectively be like his the the visiting diplomats' quarters. Yeah. And here, once again, you see guards. Yeah. And you're pretty sure you're in the right place here. Behind that door there is either Keston, Simon, or possibly both. both, because the diplomatic wing tends to be designed for people and their entourage. Yeah. So you have a room where the person can bring their own guards into and their own servants, etc., etc. It's effectively a penthouse apartment. And, and it tends to be relatively well-securable, which means you can convert them into prisons relatively easily. Yes. Because the point is that you don't want anyone breaking in to attack the diplomats. Yes, particularly if you have acid traps on doors and guards. Uh, and and, and you don't want the diplomats just kind of randomly roaming around with no one watching them. Uh, and you can, in fact, give me a perception check here. Okay, because I'm, I'm so good at those. 17. Good lord, that's that's certainly about as well as I'm going to do. Uh, and Michaela with a 24. She's getting better at listening to things now as well. It's listen, sorry, in this one. Um, you, no, well, then, then it's um, one point higher. But. You hear a muffled sound from somewhere beyond that door, suggesting there are people in there of some kind, and Michaela leans slightly towards you, and again, as with the other one, if you just move past these guards, they don't engage you in any way, they just assume you know where you're going. Um, Michaela is making the disguise check here, but we're functionally just letting the other result ride. Yeah. You've made it past the guards, so you've made it past the guards until change, circumstances change. So you just walk past them, you hear this noise, and as Michaela takes you around the corner, she, she says, Did you hear that? I heard something. No one says a vaunt quite like that. It's Keston. He's in there and talking to somebody. He's hoping the other fellow is Simon Rusk. So she just heard a... She, she says, I, I heard Keston's voice... Pleasant, pleasant, but pleasant, but a little frustrated, saying "avant" and then cursing slightly. All right. Well, I definitely think having come this far, we want to go through that door. So, how many guards were there on the door? Sweet. Yep. Same two. Yeah. The, the exact same two. They yep. look identical. Yeah, the yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't think. Uh, yes. All right. So, question. There's some word of recall spell. Can you take more people out than just the two of us? I think so. Um, I know there's a limitation of some kind, but it certainly won't be exceeded by two other people. Because um, I'm thinking that valuable trade goods or no, I've no real hankering to try and get it, these these two out past the centuries. Uh, word of recall: uh, you may carry one additional being creature per three caster level, so that is. One, three, six, eight. yeah, easily. So, um, once you start to get up to like six people, then I'd have to actually check it. But presuming it's just the two of them in there, no problem whatsoever. Um, 
If it's warded against teleportation, yeah. would she lose the spell or just not, not realise that she can't cast it and be able to cast it elsewhere in a place that isn't warded against teleportation? Uh, we talked about this. Um, yes, I know. I just can't remember what we said. The spell fails. Yeah. Because it's just, you know, if I was going to ward any place against teleportation, it would... On the other hand, that's a lot of money to spend on um, fairly random prisoners. Um Likewise, uh, you cannot teleport unwilling creatures, so uh, Michaela would tell you you're going to have to at least... Keston would um, doubtlessly go with you as soon as you ID yourselves. Yeah. Simon, you might have to at least vaguely talk into it, because um, what you've seen from Elora and Marlin, his parents, is both of them are being used as blackmail legs against the other one. Yeah. He's telling Marlin, I'll kill your kid if you don't do what I want. He's told Elora, I'll kill your kid. He's also told her, I'll kill your husband. Yeah. If he had Elora, he would have doubtlessly told Martin, I'll kill your wife. Yeah. And it's possible he's told the kid, I'll kill your parents unless you sit yeah, down yeah. and do X. Yeah. On the other hand, um... So, functionally... Um, Carolyn is literally carrying around a letter written by Marlon. Yes, yes. My point is it's going to be slightly more engaged than you just walk in, tap him, and you're Yeah, yeah, naturally. Okay, and, um, Michaela and I are going to try our one, two, three trick on these guards. Yep. Because the nice thing about golems, if it works on one unit, it'll work on them all. (laughs) Certainly our theory. Well, um, you walk up to them, uh, and... This time, you get another blockchain. The same sort of thing happens again. Uh, These ones, however, do not immediately go for you, um, because Michaela's assessment is that the prisoners do have people come to them. Yeah. You know, food must come in here, among other things. Maybe Iravetti comes to visit them. Yeah. Maybe these units get traded out, or there's no particular reason to have a relief shift. But regardless, it, this this prison is not off-limits in the same way the workshop is. Uh, so, effectively, I'm just jumping through this pretty quickly. So, yeah. it's effectively, Michaela bluffs them a bit more basically. In theory, you could just go and pass them. Or you could get a surprise round and just jump the shit out of them. I think we get a surprise round cool. and jump the shit out of them. She passes their sense motive with the bluff check this time, so you get yep. a surprise round and jump the shit out of them. Yeah, because at that point with with the... we, do, uh, I'm presuming your theory is we don't need to roll through that? Uh, actually, yeah, we do. Okay. Be, I think you'll do it, but the consequences for fucking it up are severe. Absolutely. So, so yeah, absolutely. if you roll a lot of poor rolls and poor damage and don't pull it off, then they're going to go boom and you'll have to start running. Sure, alright, so um, Kaelin rolled a three in initiative, doing cool. a bit to make it easy for the clockwork guards. Uh, well, you're getting a surprise round on them anyway. Yeah, Michaela yeah. rolls a 21. Yep, at which point... And they roll a seven. Yep, so it's like this, but the clockwork guards are here. Correct, she so, gets a surprise round. Yep, so she gets a standard attack. Hits the first one. Um, does 66 on the 8 to it. 10, 15, 18, 18, 18, 18, 18, 18, 18, 18, 18, 18, 18, 18, 18, uh, except now, because you're having a surprise round, she only gets one attack. Yep, so you get one shot. Yep, so I will hit the one she hasn't hit. Yep. Uh, I crit thread it, but it's presumably... Oh, I, I can, can crit, crit it. because you can crit, crit anything. anything. Tristan told you how the clockwork men work. Yep. Just hit them harder. 
Yep. So I crit damage, and um, uh, so that is um, twelve plus eleven is twenty three times two, and then I roll the other d sixes. So yep. I think that. that that one's dead. Yep. Um, I don't... Do, do I get to cleave on a surprise round single attack? Uh, yes, you do, because you are only capable of taking a standard attack, but a cleave is effectively a free attack. Cool. All right. Um, and then I get a, um, a 29 to hit the other one. Smack. Cool. And then I do regular... Regulation brand damage on that one, so that is... Uh, and that's already injured. Yep, so... Twenty-three points of damage to that one. Uh, it is not quite down. Cool. So Michaela gets a chance to kill it, and if she doesn't, then it's uh, then it's a problem. Michaela hits it because it is still flat-footed, and down it goes. Sweet. She's going to. It's it's only got literally a handful of hit points left. Yeah. So hitting on the critting one and hitting on the cleave attempt with the um, plus Michaela's ridiculous sneak attack, the un- sneak attack, the arms thing, and we take them down. Yep. So there is a shred clunk kachunk. She checks this door. Um, it is locked. Um, it is not trapped with horrible giant acid sprays, and these guards do have keys. Sweet. So she simply click chunk. You know, it, presuming that if it's got alarm traps on it, they're going to be disarmed by the keys. So yeah. I'm going to bother rolling the search checks at this point in the evening. Click chunk opens the door, and inside you can see. A fairly luxurious, opulent suite with weird decorations in it, frankly. It's not River Kingdom style at all. It's obviously being designed around something else. Yeah. Um, you've got a heavy red theme around the room. You've got this big, ugly, sort of monster gargoyle statue type thing going, eh, from beside the door. Um, you've got a bunch of other weird statuary and things around. And in the back corner by what you'd guess was probably once um, you know, might have looked out onto a courtyard or garden, but it looks like the window has not been by for expansion hastily boarded up. It has been completely altered and rebuilt for this purpose. Um, but you're guessing structurally. Yeah. Probably used to look on a courtyard before they got rid of the window and mm-hmm. built the wall in solidly. And there is Keston Garris is sitting there um, in a pair of silk pyjamas mm-hmm. Um sort of lounging back, leaning against the chair, staring at what appears to be a chessboard, and on the other side there is a thin young man that looks um, very, very pale and has a tiny pair of those pinched glasses, a shoulder looking up, leaning over the chessboard, and both of them glance up as you, as two clockwork units open the door and come in, not particularly alarmed or surprised at this point. So we shut the door behind us, yeah. and then... Um... Uh, how do we, uh, take these things off? Uh, for starters. Uh, and this guy, the the kid represents the description you've been given of Simon Rusk. I'm sure you jumped back in. Yeah, yeah, anyway, I did, but, absolutely. Um, uh, can you give me a knowledge nature check first? Sure. Don't have any knowledge nature, but I did roll well. 
so 18 or possibly um, 13, given I'm not trained in it. Okay, cool. So, nope. Um, cool, so continue on with what you were doing. Cool, that's fine. So, um, I effectively asked Michaela for advice on removing enough of the disguises to make her identities apparent without wrecking them. Yeah, she says, click the faceplate around here. Yep. Click, chunk, sort of lift the helm off of it. At which point you are recognisably Kaylin. Yeah. Because we didn't bother disguising who we were underneath for this bit of the operation. Yeah. And Keston looks up, kind of startled. Yeah, because I imagine the gold units don't usually remove yeah. their heads. Like, he looks up just kind of disinterested, like, yeah. okay, the guards are coming in. Both of these guys look kind of bored. Yeah. Very much a sense of anyway. And there's yeah. four. It's like they're stuck in a, just stuck in a place with the same four walls. Oh, imagine all being. The fucking tra- time. Imagine being, like, quarantined. Yeah, there. yeah. And never getting to go out or do anything interesting. Mm. And so you pull your head off. Yeah. And Keston looks up, you know, and says, by all the gods. Caitlin? Hey, Kirsten. We're, you know, here to rescue you. You hear from behind you as you say this, and the big, ugly statue that you have just walked past and failed to recognize as anything other than a big, ugly statue comes to life uh, yep. and begins attacking you. Yep. And we will leave it there. And so this... This great gargoyle-like statue, this winged horn beast that is just sitting near, vaguely near the doorway of the room, just completely still. Uh, you see Keston's eyes light up with alarm. He obviously didn't know this was going to happen. Yeah. It's, it's clearly just been sitting there. Goes up behind you and raises its hand. Dun, dun, dun. dun. dun.